Thank you for listening to the Patrick Healy podcast. As always, it's for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial or medical advice. Well, I was supposed to see Tim Dillon for the third time this weekend, and for the third time, the show was delayed. This weekend was supposed to be at the Uptown Theater in Napa, the same place that I saw Mark Marin in one of my favorite performances I've ever seen. I was really excited for the show, anticipating it, not only for the comedy, but for the experience of going to Napa and seeing performance art. I'd previously gotten to see Tim Dillon, who overall is probably my favorite comedic personality between his podcast and his stand-up. I'd gotten to see him before in a theater in Sacramento and at the Improv in San Jose. The first time that I saw Tim Dillon was in Sacramento, and his plane got delayed in San Francisco. He made it to the show, but he was about two hours late. So we saw a couple of extra comedians that night, and then he came and put on a great show. The second time was at the San Jose Improv, and there were scheduling conflicts, and I believe he got sick. And so the show was just completely postponed for a month. He made good on the second date, and it was awesome. This time, the crazy weather that's been going through the entire country flooded the area that he had just performed in. I believe it was Monterey. And so he couldn't get out of there to make it up to Napa. At this point, I don't think I want to see Tim Dillon on his scheduled date at his scheduled time. The reason I say that is because the universe has taught me a lesson throughout my life. That's a universal lesson, hence it comes from the universe. But not everybody gets to learn. That lesson is about earning and waiting for the best things in your life. Two fallacies, or you could think of them, two fallacies, or you could think of them as character flaws that a lot of people have is impatience and entitlement. You get something in your head you think you want, and you want it now. Or you have something in front of you, and so you automatically assume that you deserve it. You see this with spoiled kids. Maybe they're turning 16 and they just got their driver's license, and because their parents can afford a Lexus, they think that they need to have a Lexus right now. And when their parents want to give them a used Ford, they get upset and they feel that they should have the Lexus because there are resources around them that can provide that. The parent might give them the used Ford because they want them to learn how to appreciate something or they want to teach the kid the lesson of earning it on their own merit. You know, like making their own money to buy that Lexus. It isn't that the kid wouldn't really enjoy driving around in the fancy car. However, outside of the lessons learned by earning it yourself, etc., etc., there's also something too getting to appreciate what's nice about having transportation, period. Maybe not all of the bells and whistles, but the ability to drive around. And then also when you've had a clunker, when you get a reliable car or a fancy car, you can really appreciate those differences. Whereas if all you've ever had is something nice, 
you don't really appreciate how nice it is. Two things come to mind as I stand here. One of those is the impatience that people have in training a dog. You get very frustrated when a dog, like a puppy, doesn't listen or follow commands properly right off the bat. And they get angry at the dog quite often when they're trying to train the dog. But the thing about that dog is it hasn't really learned the reasons for that obedience yet. When you use positive reinforcement and patience in training your dog, you build a bond with the dog and you teach the dog the value in listening to you. It isn't just teaching the dog to sit. It's teaching the dog to look to you for commands and direction. And that's an invaluable lesson. And like I said, bond that you get with the animal. Another thing that comes to mind is what you see in sports. I'm always talking about prize fighting. You know, maybe a fighter has a lot of hype behind them and they have an undefeated record and people talk about how they're going to be the greatest thing ever. And they get to a certain point, a certain level of fight and they hit adversity and they lose. Maybe they suffer a knockout. Maybe it's a tough decision loss. And the character and work ethic that's built from learning how to maintain composure and come back from that loss to ultimately get the world championship or the victory that people expected they had the potential to achieve is what really makes a great, complete fighter. Like I said, the universe has forced me to learn this lesson over and over. And a byproduct of having to learn the lesson that you have to have patience in getting what you want has been that not only I can be tenacious in achieving goals, but I can also really appreciate what I have. I really enjoy seeing Tim Dillon. But if Tim Dillon canceled or showed up late every time I saw him and his show sucked, that wouldn't be a great experience. But what is great about it is that he delivers at the end. It's a great experience. And you might not like comedy, you might not like sports or fighting, but think about love. Think about when you start dating a guy or a girl or want to get a guy or a girl to go on a date with you and they play hard to get. That pursuit is one of the best parts of the love story, but it's only a love story and it's only one of the best parts if when you earn that person's trust or you gain that person's love, they're truly wonderful to be with. If you wait and fight and earn that relationship with the person that, that you have wanted or had a crush on or or thought that you should have or could have and they're just a rotten person and there's no real payoff so the lesson isn't really that you should want to have to wait and work for everything no you shouldn't want to wait for anything shitty it's that as you contemplate what you really want to earn in life you gain the ability to evaluate its value look for red flags Look for how it fits into your life. How important is it to you? Because you can spend your life thinking of an infinite number of things that would be great to have. They might seem great to have. But if your life becomes just pursuing everything that you think is great, you never actually get to appreciate or utilize the things in your life. It's just too full of stuff. However, when you accept the fact that you're really going to have to work for and earn the things you want, it helps you be more decisive about the components that you want to fill your life with. I talk with people in nutrition consultations all the time about what body do they really want? 
Do they really want to look like a fitness influencer? Do they really want to have abs with veins in them? Or do they just want to maintain a healthy weight 365 days a year? Because there's a lot of sacrifice and things you're giving up and quite often actually putting your health at risk looking extremely lean or extremely muscular or extremely in shape. For most people, their life is better with a moderate amount of physical happiness and then many other things in their life that make them happy. And that includes a really delicious meal or some dessert every now and then. I spent years being incredibly restrictive with my diet and it didn't make me happy. I developed a negative relationship with food. I was always sacrificing or getting upset about foods I couldn't eat, staring at foods or thinking about foods that I just wouldn't let myself have. And not only did it make me unhappy, but it made me liable to binge. An excess, as they say, everything in moderation, excess isn't good for you. That doesn't mean partying or having a great time or getting wild every now and then isn't good. In fact, that can be great. But doing it excessively obviously has its negative consequences. A lot of people get into martial arts thinking, I want a karate or a jiu-jitsu black belt. And they want that before they've ever gotten into the world of being a martial artist. The most valuable things in martial arts are the things that you get through years and years of hard work and training as you pursue that black belt or that goal. It isn't the belt at all. The belt is just a representation of all the lessons you've learned along the way. In fact, for most people who obtain black belts, it's way less about their ability and way more about the character they've developed in obtaining that honor. A lot of people get into martial arts. Maybe they want a karate black belt and they realize halfway through that journey, this isn't what I really want. There's a lot of stuff that's negative for me in this. I don't want this. And that's a parallel of if Tim Dillon sucked as a comedian or there was nothing that you were really waiting for. I've learned over the years that if something comes too easy, I'm not going to appreciate it as much as if it takes hard work to get that beautiful payoff. It's a lesson in loyalty. It's a lesson in conviction. It's a lesson in commitment. I was talking to my dad the other day about unconditional love. And it, it's a shame when you see people who aren't able to love unconditionally. You know, when you get a pet, when you get that dog, the greatest reward that you can get from that dog is through the training and cultivating that bond. It's through accepting the dog is going to be difficult to train and rather than getting mad or frustrated at the dog, loving the dog and not getting upset when it has a hard time learning to sit or stay or follow your commands. The rewards of choosing to love something or someone or some being without an, an expectation of you getting something back from them, it fills your soul. I don't have children, but that's something I've heard from people who have chosen to have children over the years, that that love that they learn about their kid helps complete them. And the thing about a kid is you have a baby and it's cute and you have to take care of it constantly. You go through a period of time not sleeping and you hope that that kid grows into a high achiever and someone who brings you lots of joy. But if you're a good parent, you don't have that expectation. You might have that hope, but what your expectation is, is to dump a load of money into that kid's life, into raising the kid, investing 
time, resources, and money into them without the expectation of ever getting anything back. One of the greatest love stories that I ever saw in person or experienced was a husband and wife. And the wife, for the last 30 years, when I came to know them, had been crippled, bound to a wheelchair, and more or less unable to speak. She wasn't able to do anything around the house. She wasn't able to work. She wasn't able to carry a conversation. They weren't able to have a physical relationship. But the husband had a beautiful life around he and his wife, and he passionately loved her. And he didn't expect anything material from her. I'm sure when she first became ill and first became crippled, it was frustrating that certain things that they'd been able to enjoy went away. But he didn't make the choice of, well, you're not giving me anything anymore, so I'm going to dump you. Instead, he gave even more to her. He became her caretaker. And that character and that patience and that ability to love radiated from him into everyone in his life. There was something special about the love that that man was able to give. And that was a lot different to me than a lot of the beautiful relationships I'd seen before where two people were healthy and happy and were able to enjoy each other and give to each other constantly in many different ways. Those looked like fun relationships full of passion. And it was kind of shocking to me to learn about their relationship because the only passion there was the passion with which they cared for each other and the passion with, with which he was her caretaker. Didn't have anything to do with her giving him anything. You know, the worst kind of parent is the kind of parent that puts condition on their child for them to give them love. You're not who I want you to be, so I'm not going to love you. And that's crippling, metaphorically, for the child. And it also casts a dark cloud over the parent. And that child doesn't learn the proper way to love. And that's one of the wonderful things about pets, right? Maybe as a human, you didn't learn the proper way to love. But if you become a great pet owner, and you learn unconditional love, and you cultivate a deep bond with your pet, that sets you up for being able to do that with people with your friends, with your family, in romantic relationships, with children, and with hobbies and passions. Maybe it's yoga or martial arts or climbing or whatever it is you're into. Because all of your passions don't come easy. I mean, they do for some outliers, but you know, those outliers tend to not get that much satisfaction about the thing they're so great at. And that goes back to the embracing the grind that I've talked about so many times before doesn't mean that you want to have to struggle for your entire life and then get a payoff the day you die, but it does mean that you should want to really have to work and grind and metaphorically suffer for something that you want to achieve. I hope my podcast reaches millions of listeners one day, but I don't want to just hit record and all of a sudden have as many people as Joe Rogan tuning into me. I want to embrace the time when I only had 10 listeners and embrace as I only have a thousand listeners. And I want to keep creating material, not because I'm getting some monetary payoff or a bunch of adulation from millions of listeners. No, I want to create material as a body of work or a work of art that is quality and has value so that over time, people find that quality and value, that they get something out of it. And it's okay if that's just one person at a time. 
the best podcasts out there, the best radio shows, have built their audiences slowly. And that's created loyal followings. And those loyal followings have allowed them to survive as artists or as business people through thick and thin. Maybe they get removed from a certain network and have to go independent and those people follow them. It's not just that they're given a huge platform and then when that platform is taken away, those listeners are just gone. You know, all of the levels of what I'm talking about, on the flip side, if you don't have those things, if everything comes easy or you feed off of entitlement or impatience, means that when you get things, you're not really able to enjoy them. You're not really able to appreciate them. You're not really able to value them. Girls that can get any man they want and then they just act on that, they don't appreciate the guys right in front of them, the good guys, and vice versa. Guys who can get any girl they want, they tend to not treat those girls that they get the best. But when you learn how to value someone, you're able to treat them properly. And when I look on social media and read the news or read Twitter, one of the things that Americans are most upset about is they don't feel valued by their country. They don't feel valued by their society. They don't feel valued by their community. But all of those characteristics start at the individual and then the family and then the smaller community, and that branches out to a country in the world. Things have to start at home. We have to learn those lessons as individuals and then pass them on or convey them to each other. I'm sure there are a bunch of people who are going to go see Tim Dillon for the first time, and they were pissed that he couldn't show up. But when we found out that he wasn't going to be there for the third time, I was initially disappointed, but then it was very easy for me to not be bothered by it because I had faith that it it was going to come and I was going to get that night where I got the payoff, the release of laughter and joy, experiencing him perform. Now you might be thinking, this guy is a fruitcake. I would be fucking pissed. What if I had to get a hotel room? Well, there's another saying, it's only money. Me saying something perfect once. Well, there's another saying for that. It's only money. Now, if you had invested your life savings in going to see Tim Dillon in Napa, that would really suck for you, but I also would suggest that you might want to reevaluate how you choose to spend your money. I hope that if you're not one of those people and it was a little bit of your disposable income, that you either got a refund on the hotel or you went to Napa and had a nice night. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a lot of nice things to do in Napa. And the truth is, it is only money. If you're someone who's done the work to be good at what you do or to be a hard worker, you have the ability to make money again. I've lost everything I've had financially, I think half a dozen times. Right now, I'm lucky enough to have a little bit of money in my pocket. And this last time that I lost everything, I wasn't in denial about it. I was very clear that there were zeros in my bank account and that I was putting things on a credit card that I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to pay off. But at the same time, I had that formula, I had that character developed. And the formula is, you go to work. I remembered the time before that that I had lost everything. And I'd lost everything trying to help out a friend pursue one of his dreams. And on day one, as much as I didn't want to do it, I'd learned from previous times of digging myself out of a hole what I needed to do. I needed to go to work. And I went and found something that would pay me money for that day. And I went and did it. And it wasn't nearly as much money as I was used to making, 
but I did it. And then I did it the next day. And then I did it the next day. And then I did it the next day. And then I did it until I had an opportunity to make money a little bit easier. And once I had an opportunity to make money a little bit easier, I caught up on sleep because I hadn't been getting a lot of sleep the way I was making money then. If you're constantly wanting everything and not being able to evaluate what you value, you're going to have a hard time keeping any money in the bank account. But if you can be judicious about what you care about, that translates to learning how to spend wisely and you can focus your investments, right? Think about what the meaning of an investment is. It's something that will give you some sort of payoff. Maybe what you put your money into increases in value, or maybe it brings you great joy or it pays you dividends. A bad investment is something where you think it's going to have a payoff and then it doesn't. And people will get fooled all the time. That goes into stock trading. There are bear and bull traps. And people choose bad people to invest in. And again, that's not what you want to do. As you have to work for people or places or things that you care about, you should be picking up whether or not these investments have qualities that will prove to pay off. Or do they have a lot of red flags? And there are investments that we make with our time, our money, our energy that are very risky. They have a lot of red flags. There are a lot of red flags in derivatives training. Trading, there are a lot of red flags in love. There are a lot of red flags in starting businesses. There are a lot of red flags in being a fighter. There are a lot of red flags in being a comedian or a musician. But the payoff of those things, when you're able to get through them, and you can be one of those lucky ones, there's nothing like it. So many people, for instance, are in relationships with people that they don't have the capacity to love deeply. They fit a mold, right? They, they uh, had the right job or they had the right family or this or that. And then you're married for 20 years and you never feel that passionately about them. And then there's those loves that have lots of red flags. Think about Romeo and Juliet. And those are the romances for the ages. It's complicated, but I know how much I like Tim Dillon. I got a bit of a man crush. And so I feel good in investing and going to see that man, even though I expect him to not show up. Like I said, I think moving forwards, I'll be disappointed if he shows up on time on the original scheduled date. If you don't know who he is, maybe check him out. A lot of, a lot of times when I point people in the direction of Tim Dillon, they're like, what the fuck is this? I can't stand him. I have upset some older ladies pointing them towards Tim Dillon's podcast. But Tim Dillon has one of the biggest Patreons and biggest podcasts in the world. People pay to hear his podcasts. And you can get millions of podcasts for free. By the way, did you know that there are like 8 million podcasts out there, but the majority of those podcasts only make it through four episodes? So if you're someone who does a podcast and maybe you don't have a lot of listeners, maybe you have 10 listeners, but you have 20 episodes, you are in a very high percentile of podcasts that have a probability of working out. So maybe consider continuing on. But artistically, Tim Dillon's been a great person for me to be disappointed by. I have spent so many weekends so excited for him to show up on Saturday night when he tends to release his free YouTube podcast. Maybe I've had a terrible day or a terrible week or a terrible year and I just want that payoff. I want to giggle a little bit on Saturday night and then it doesn't show up 
and then he doesn't say why it didn't show up. And then three days later, it shows up, and he explains why, and then he goes on a rant that has me rolling. And I don't care anymore. I'm a little disappointed, but then I move on. And I move on planning to just wait, to just be patient, to just continue to get a little funnier, to get a little smarter, to get a little happier when he does put out his art. There are so many musicians like that as well. They put out a perfect album and then they disappear. Then 10 years later, they put out another perfect album. There's this musician, this group called Neutral Milk Hotel, made two perfect albums in about a year. And then the lead singer, the guy who wrote all the songs, he literally disappeared pre-internet. He gave up all of his stuff and his house and his money. And he went to a small town and lived on someone's couch and did drawings and paintings for about 10 years. And then he never put out more art. But what he did do is he showed back up about 15 years later after making a couple sporadic appearances. And he went on a tour where he played those albums in their entirety for the people that loved them. And he put on some amazing shows and he made people cry and he made people happy. And they got the payoff of being dedicated to him. And the thing about those albums is they are artistic masterpieces. They were worth the experience. And a lot of other bands and musicians put out a dozen albums in that span of time, and none of them were as good as the airplane over the sea. You can go see stand-up comedy pretty much any night of the week right now, but to see someone like a Dave Chappelle or a Tim Dillon, that doesn't come along all the time. That's a different experience. To have a perfect dog that you adore and is also obedient and makes you proud in public and socializes well with everyone and and makes every dog and every animal and every person it comes across their day better. That's amazing. I've had some terrible dogs and I've had some great ones. To have a love that you feel incredibly passionate about, that's a whole different thing than, than not feeling that passion. To have a career that you just fell into that was handed to you, that you didn't work hard and grind for, there's a whole different level of appreciation and understanding and knowledge of self and fulfillment and confidence and security that comes from that kind of thing. And it all takes time and it all gets delayed. You should expect those delays. And then instead of getting bent out of shape about them, saying, oh, this is the end, I should quit. You should go to metaphorical work and just do the thing that's proved to get you where you want. And you should just keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that. And then at some point, it stops being about the payoff and starts being about the work. And that's ultimately how you get to being able to enjoy most days of your life. Because the majority of days that you live are not going to be about a payoff or having what you want. They're going to be about being happy with what you have and working towards goals. If as a society, we're only unhappy about the state of America, ironically in a time where we have so much luxury, we have so many good things, we have no real reason to be unhappy about our life. It's existentially stuff that we're upset about. Well, just complaining isn't going to make anything better. But starting with the individual, starting with the home, and making that positive, that's how we expand into making this a more positive country, a more positive nation, a more positive world.